Equine health is our business. Horses and education are our passion. Welcome to the EquiConnect podcast. Here, we will have case-based conversations and talk about interesting news and information with the goal of sharing knowledge focusing on equine health. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the EquiConnect Equine podcast brought to you by McKee Pownell Equine Services. I'm Dr. Kyle Goldie. And I'm Karen Fell. Thanks a lot for joining us today. We apologize for the delay uh, since our, our last episode, but we have some good news. We have some new recording equipment. Yeah, it's amazing. We're just getting used to it at the moment, but we, we really hope that you're appreciating the improved sound quality because we sure can on our end. So all the more to, uh, to make for a better listening experience for, for everybody. So we hope you, we hope you like it. So today's episode is about hot weather management of horses, and we shouldn't forget about their riders too. Definitely. Yeah, we thought considering how hot it's been lately, we've had a little sample of summer more recently. Absolutely. Uh, but before we get started, Karen, what's new with you? Well, I'm glad you asked. I actually <laughs> just bought a house. Yay! That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited about it. Oh, that's so great. So great. Yeah, yeah. What's new with you? Uh, nothing. I have um, been busy with work for sure. My weekends lately, I've been doing a lot of solo backpacking trips. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Long, long hikes. Yeah. Just uh, trying to get uh, one with nature. <laughs> just, uh, just as a, as a little, um, a little relaxation. Well, and just for our listeners, so when we see that there was a little bit of a hike in, how long was your hike this past weekend, for example? This past weekend was uh, 27 kilometers in, and then uh, unfortunately 27 kilometers out the following day. So, yeah, that'll that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. that's a good hike. Yeah, I was pretty sore at the end. There's no doubt about that. I was glad I had Monday off so I could uh, recuperate a little bit. Wow. I find with each subsequent hike, I'm getting. The, the recovery period has been less, so I, I'm improving. I'm improving. Well, good. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we were talking earlier about the bees. Uh, my bees are doing very well, making lots of honey. In fact, probably an overwhelming amount of honey at the moment because probably going to be six, 800 pounds of honey this year. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It's a lot for one person to process. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a hot, sticky mess <laughs> <laughs> by the time I uh, get it all sorted out. So hopefully we'll have honey by the end of end of August, probably. There's lots there now, but I just kind of want to do it all at once. So Definitely. Yeah. Getting to our topic of hot weather management. A lot of our equine athletes compete in hot weather, whether it's racehorses competing even in Ontario in the summer, uh, endurance horses. We even have sport horses that are competing down in Florida over the winter, and sometimes you can get in some hot weather there. And one thing I wanted to talk about was how horses face some interesting challenges in hot weather, much as we do. The first thing I wanted to talk about, well, actually, Karen, what do you think some of the challenges that we face in, in hot weather in terms of keeping cool? I would say, personally, my struggle is drinking enough water. Yeah, and we're going to get to that in our prevention of heat stress. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. The water helps to cool you for sure. I think more importantly, we have to worry about water's role in keeping us cool, its primary role in keeping us cool, and that is in the form of sweat, right? Right. Horses, just as humans, use what is called evaporative cooling to try to keep cool in hot weather. Evaporative cooling is basically a $5 word for sweating, right? Right. I think we've all observed that sweating is not necessarily beneficial in all situations in terms of keeping us cool. So can you think of 
times when sweating just doesn't really seem to accomplish a whole lot? Thinking about when I get really hot and I just kind of sweat endlessly and there's, there's no end. It doesn't seem to be cooling me. It's just kind of a vicious circle. Exactly. So what your body is, is really facing there is the humidity is too high. Right. Yes. And that's the one drawback of evaporative cooling is in order for evaporation to work, basically evaporation works by absorbing heat. And then there's a change of state that happens as the sweat you're producing turns into vapor, right? It takes heat away from the body. But in times of hot, humid weather, you are sweating because of all of the heat, but the humidity suppresses the ability of your sweat to evaporate. So you end up just wet. (laughs) Yes. Right. But there's no real evaporative cooling going on. And, you know, it almost seems to me, and I think it's probably more so with horses, where the excessive sweating almost becomes an insulator into itself. It's almost like the the excessive sweat is trapping in more, more heat, you know? I definitely agree. I'm a very strong sweater. I sweat quite a lot. And at times you get so hot. Exactly. You're just feeling wet. There's no, I'm not cooling down at all. It's just a vicious circle. Absolutely. Another problem that is somewhat unique to horses is that horses sweat is actually quite a bit different from ours. Our sweat, you know, you've probably tasted sweat before. (laughs) It's a bit salty, right? But in relation to horses, our sweat has considerably less salt in it than their sweat. Oh, okay. What's interesting about that is when we sweat, we have a lot of water and a little bit of salt. Okay. And as we're losing all that water, what happens? It gets diluted. Well, what actually happens is we lose water and therefore the amount of salt, the relative amount of salt in our bloodstream starts to increase. Okay. Because the water has left the bloodstream into the sweat glands and been released as sweat. And as that water is leaving the body, mm-hmm. it's creating a higher and higher salt concentration in the body. So what does that do when things get saltier? Just like when you're eating a bag of chips or something like that. Right. You get thirsty. You get thirsty. We have this physiological mechanism that says that, okay, I'm sweating. And as I sweat, I become thirstier. Okay. And again, just to recap there, as humans sweat, we lose water. That water makes the salt in our body more concentrated. And in order to rebalance everything, we become thirsty, Mm -hmm. take in more water, balances out the salt and everything's happy again. Right. You got it. Is that all making sense? Makes sense to me. Understanding that point is very important to understand there in our next point. Okay. So our next point is that horses produce isotonic sweat. Okay. Okay. Isotonic is basically the same salt and water concentration as blood. Okay. Okay. So in relation to our sweat, horse sweat has considerably more salt in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Salt, I should say electrolytes. So that's going to be sodium, chloride, potassium, magnesium, calcium, all sorts of different electrolytes. They're all going to be in there. The point is that the horse sweat is much, much saltier than our sweat. Okay. Okay. Just naturally. Exactly. So what does that mean in terms of thirst? Think about that for a second. When we sweat, we lose water Mm -hmm. and in relation to salt, Mm -hmm. right? And because of that, our body is saltier, having lost the water. Mm -hmm. And so we are thirsty. So we drink more. So what happens with horses? I feel like it would be 
the same type of thing? Would they be thirstier than us? It's kind of paradoxical. Okay, you'd think that they'd get thirstier because they're losing more salt. Right, because in relation to the water. Right, but they're losing salt in the same proportion that it is in their bloodstream. Okay. So in a relative sense, they don't lose as much salt. Right. Rather, the concentration of their blood doesn't change, right? Because they've lost salt in the same proportion as they've lost water. water. So what that means is horses don't really get thirsty when they sweat a lot. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So that's the point that I really wanted to make is that because horse sweat is vastly different than ours in terms of the electrolyte concentration, they are much less aware of dehydration before it becomes a problem. That's interesting because I have always thought about that when, you know, for example, I go for a run. I'm so thirsty when I get back, sweated a lot, probably ran a very long way. No, not really. But uh, <laughs> but with the horses, we'll go out and ride. They'll get hot. They'll be sweating. And you think, oh, I'm going to get back to the barn. They're going to down a, a ton of water. And they just don't. Exactly. And it's because from a physiologic sense, they can't really tell that they've lost any water. If that makes sense, they, they yes. don't, the stimulus for us to drink doesn't exist to the same extent in horses. I just wanted to make that point. I think it's really, really important for people to realize, especially when they're dealing with horses in hot weather, because the idea that horses will just sustain themselves and will drink when they're thirsty is kind of oversimplifying things. The point is that we have to take a much more active role in helping our equine athletes keep cool and keep hydrated mm -hmm. in this hot weather. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. It totally makes sense. I've just never thought about it. I remember when I learned that in school, it literally blew my mind because it just says so much about physiology, right? right. You, you know, you have to understand that there's electrolytes and there's uh, fluid concentrations uh, throughout the body and just that simple difference of one species produces a hypotonic sweat, mm -hmm. humans, and horses produce a isotonic sweat, changes everything. Completely. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. So anyway, I wanted to make that point just so people understood that horses, shockingly, are more complex than we, <laughs> than we <laughs> think they are. This is a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes everything, right? So what are some ways, Karen, that we can prevent heat stress, dehydration, all that type of thing in our equine athletes? So you um, mentioned uh, when you're just talking now about electrolytes. Yeah, absolutely. So do you know what electrolytes are? I actually don't really know what they are. Okay. At least you call them electrolytes and not electric lights. Like I have heard some people pronounce <laughs> them. I'm just like, oh boy, we have to, we have to go back first. <laughs> <laughs> I could see where the confusion is. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Electrolytes, you know how um, you always hear that the nervous system and the muscles all work on electricity. There's a electric energy going through our bodies, right? Right. Yes. All right. Well, basically we need electrolytes to carry those signals. Okay. That's, okay. that's essentially what's happening. These biologic networks require electrolytes to pass signals along. Okay. okay. Electrolytes are important in the autonomic nervous system, in the gut, in the heart, in all the little pumps that uh, pump salt and sugar across membranes. They're important for muscle contraction. They're important for muscle relaxation. They're important for everything. Okay. Yeah. Because what is electricity really? It's a difference in charge, 
right? Mm -hmm. So in order to establish that charge, we need something with a charge on it. That's what electrolytes are. Okay. Okay. Which ones doesn't really matter for our discussions. The, mm-hmm. the important electrolytes are sodium, chloride, potassium, and then to a lesser extent, calcium, magnesium, and others. Okay. Okay. But that's basically what they're used for. You can think of it as helping the current go through the body. Okay. In all of its forms, whether it's for thinking, digestion, anything like that. Okay. First of all, getting back to our understanding now that horses produce a isotonic sweat and therefore don't have a strong urge to drink, electrolytes can be useful in that sense because by giving them electrolytes, it's going to increase the concentration of electrolytes in their body and therefore encourage them to drink more to balance that out again, right? You got it. Yep. But the other thing that's going to be important is remember with our isotonic sweat, we've also lost a lot of electrolytes, right? So we're giving electrolytes for two reasons. Number one, we're losing electrolytes and we need to replace them Mm -hmm. to enable all these functions in the body to occur. But number two, we need to replace them to encourage voluntary water intake. Right. right? Okay. So that all all makes sense. Trying to think of what else I can say about electrolytes. The most basic electrolyte and probably the most important electrolyte that we deal with is regular sodium chloride. Yes. Regular white salt. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of times people think that salt is added to their horse's feed, and it is true, it Mm -hmm. is, but only in minimal quantities. So people should be feeding salt to their horses, all right? I am not a big fan of salt licks. Salt licks were invented for cattle, Mm -hmm. and cattle have a lot different tongue than horses do, right? Definitely. Cattle have like a really rough almost barbed tongue like a cat or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. You don't get licked from a a cow twice. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, Whereas horses' tongues are are very similar to ours. It's a a delicate, soft tissue kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be licking a a salt lick for hours at a time to try to satisfy my electrolyte requirement. So I've always been a big advocate of feeding loose salt. Right, like in their grain. Exactly. Yeah, I'm feeding it in their grain. I usually go about a tablespoon to two tablespoons morning and night but you know that's really going to depend on the weather um, and how well it's tolerated by the horses i was just going to ask in feeding that is there too much salt can you feed too much salt not really okay especially when it's being offered on a voluntary basis Mm -hmm. because first of all salt in and of itself is intake limiting right so you can only eat so many chips so many potato chips before you need a drink Right. Yeah. You always get to that point. I always think I'm going to finish the bag, but I always have to stop. Take a drink. You're right. Exactly. And I can't even open a bag unless I have a Diet Pepsi by my side. (laughs) But that's another problem. But anyway, so salt in and of itself is intake limiting. So I don't think you can really feed too much salt as long as, and number one, it's voluntary, right? You're not force feeding them salt. That wouldn't be good. And number two, that they have continuous access to clean, fresh water. Right. And by force feeding, you mean? I would mean like electrolyte pastes. You know, something like that, where the horse isn't really making the decision to swallow it. You're forcing them to swallow it. You know what I mean? I feel like that might be an opportunity where they could be misused. Okay. okay, Because Mm -hmm. it's not voluntary for the horse. I'm not saying that's wrong or that pace are wrong, but I'm just trying to give an example of when the horse isn't really making the decision. But yeah, in terms of loose salt uh, fed in the feed. I I don't think you can really overdo it. The biggest thing you'll notice uh, if you're feeding too much is that the horses will leave it 
Right. Right. They and won't they'll, eat it. They'll go off their off their feed and that type of thing. So yeah, you have to uh, pay attention to that. Talking about how horses are pretty good at deciding what they need, there has been some research done where horses can be offered multiple buckets of water. So um, mm-hmm. you, you could have multiple buckets in the stall and you could have one with clean, fresh water, one with a uh, commercial electrolyte product dissolved in it. And, mm-hmm. and horses can do a good job of picking what they need if both things are offered. But I'm generally a big fan of of always having clean, fresh water in front of horses. Mm-hmm. Okay? Definitely. Because, you know, you don't want to accidentally put, let's say you only offered one bucket of water and you put electrolytes in it and it's too salty. Well, then all of a sudden the horse won't drink it and that's their only opportunity to drink. I'm not a big fan of only offering a bucket with electrolytes in it. Right. Yeah. Giving sense. giving them the option to, to make yeah, their decision. Exactly. I like them to have options. So anyway, and that's why I, generally I, I like um, electrolytes fed in, in the feed. It just gives them a little bit more of an opportunity to decide what they need and what they want. You can use use your own experience uh, for, for this type of thing too. And certain horses are going to have their preferences one way or the other. It's just important to feed the electrolytes in hot weather for the reasons that we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And number two, to feed them per the label directions. Right. My preference has always been just to feed them loose, not not in the water. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your mileage may vary kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's about all we needed to mention on electrolytes. Electrolytes become increasingly important in endurance racing, for example. Definitely. Endurance is a class unto itself in terms of electrolyte management. And uh, the people involved in endurance know a heck of a lot about uh, what their horse needs in terms of electrolytes and other requirements to get them through the ride. Because just from a physiologic sense, it just places such a stress on them. But they do a very good job of managing them. So we talked about electrolytes, water. We talked about uh, Mm -hmm. always having clean, fresh water available to them, uh, plus or minus a separate bucket with dissolved electrolytes in it. I guess we could also talk about fitness. Absolutely, fitness. So how do you think fitness can affect a horse in hot weather and a rider for that matter? Definitely. I was thinking about how a horse that's not quite as fit seems to get more impacted just as we would if if I'm not as fit and I'm going out to do something active on a hot, hot day, I get very hot. I get dehydrated very quickly. Mm-hmm. You will get hot quickly and, and so too with the horse. And you also won't cool down as fast as a fit person or a fit animal. And uh, one of the things that comes with fitness is expansion of blood volume. Okay. So as, as athletes, whether they be human or equine, what happens is in response to uh, training, you know, uh, aerobic exercise, that type of thing, mm-hmm. the blood vessels become bigger and the network of blood vessels throughout the body expands. Okay. So that when it comes time to oxygenate our muscles, we have more blood getting to them. Mm-hmm. When it's time to remove waste from those muscles, we have more blood leaving them. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we also have more blood vessels at the level of the skin that are able to dissipate that heat. Hmm. Right? That. Yeah, so bring bring that bring that hot blood to the surface to allow some heat exchange to go on, right? Wow. And part of maintaining fitness is maintaining this cooling system as well. Exactly. And another uh, big factor is um, body condition, right? If you've got a horse with a really high body condition, meaning that they've got excessive fat coverage, those horses are going to be predisposed to overheating because Mm -hmm. the fat is going to be working as an insulator 
Right. Yeah. Right. They're going to get hot. It's going to keep that heat in exactly. versus trying to get it to the surface to sweat and get it out. Exactly. Fitness is, is a really, really important thing. And it's also important to consider fitness when you're uh, changing climates, for example. So, oh. uh, you know, it can take a good uh, good few weeks to adapt to uh, a new climate. Let's say you're going from the cold of Canada to the heat of Florida. Yeah, it, it's going to take a few weeks for your horse to adapt to that, to, to really start performing at its best level. Definitely. A couple other things we mentioned just in terms of hot weather management, bathing. I think bathing is one of the most important things that can be done for horses to help them cool. Do you know the correct way to bathe a horse to uh, cool it out, Karen? It's interesting. I was just thinking of my in pony club. I did pony club and it was... When you'd cool out after your cross-country run, you'd circle the horse and you had someone with a sponge bathing and right away sweat scraping the excess water off. Exactly. And have you ever noticed how hot the water is? Like, let's say you put the sponge across the horse's back Mm -hmm. and you scrape it down. Have you ever noticed how hot the water is by the time it reaches their uh, chest bone? Oh, gosh. It's so warm. It's, so it's it's practically hot instantly. So it's such a great way of getting them cooled down. But as Karen said, and as Pony Club has taught us, it's very, very important to scrape them. So you basically just keep sponging cold water on and scraping it off until the water coming off isn't hot anymore. Yeah, because essentially, if you leave the water on, you know, you get the logic, oh, I'm going to put cool water on, but it obviously doesn't stay cool for very long. So it's going to heat them right up. Yeah. It's just creating an insulator, right? And and keeping more heat in because we've already discussed how uh, in a lot of these hot weather conditions, the evaporative cooling isn't going to work properly, right? You can't just put water on them and expect that the water is going to cool them down Mm -hmm. because it's not evaporating, right? So you have to scrape it off. And by scraping it off, it takes the heat with it. And then uh, fans are really, really important and trying uh, to keep them in the shade versus uh, direct sunlight absolutely i remember i think it was back in 1996 when the olympics were going to be held in atlanta okay Mm -hmm. everybody was really really concerned about the the heat in atlanta at the time of year that the uh, the summer olympics are held and people were very very concerned about keeping the horses cool and Mm -hmm. that's actually the first time I believe they started using those fan slash misting systems. Yes. You know, that you see at like Canada's Wonderland and stuff like that now. Those were, to the best of my knowledge, were created to cool horses at the Atlanta Olympics. And since then, uh, they've been adapted for a lot of different purposes. Yeah, they're. That was a pretty cool situation. So definitely uh, no pun intended, <laughs> honestly, because that's just a bad joke. But uh, anyway, so I think that's about everything. You know what I'm realizing we didn't mention? Go on. What are the signs of a horse <sighs> of being dehydrated? Karen, great question. We're going to get to that, though, okay. I think, as part of our case. What oh, do you perfect. Think? You yeah. know what? That sounds great. Let's make it a real life yeah. situation. Okay. Yeah. One of the things that's been uh, been really interesting in my career is just through friend of a friend type situations, I've gotten involved in endurance and uh, have vetted at quite a few endurance rides, both as a line judge where you're kind of assessing horses to see if they're fit to continue in the competition. And number two, I've worked as a treatment vet. So the line judges will send horses that they're concerned about over to the treatment vet and the treatment vet makes decisions regarding what that horse requires in order to to recover. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd just kind of go through a typical situation that we'd see in horses in an endurance ride. Let's say it's a black uh, 13-year-old quarter horse. Okay. okay. And it's in its first endurance ride ever. And it starts the day off. You know what? He didn't ship very well. 
Okay. He didn't Mm -hmm. ship very well. He was just drenched when he got to the ride. Then he was really nervous because of it's his first ride and uh, what an atmosphere i imagine lots of horses so many other horses around and so many people and he didn't really eat that much and because he didn't eat a whole lot he didn't really drink a whole lot so you know he didn't ship in very well let's say Mm -hmm. okay but he goes to the vet check and uh the the pre-ride uh vet check and they find that the horse looks Pretty good, bright, uh, you know, his ears are pricked up, but he's looking at all, all the new sights. They listen to his gut sounds. Everything sounds good there. His heart sounds good. His mucous membranes are, are normal, so they're pink in color and moist. And we also look at the capillary refill time, so that's the amount of time it takes for if you blanch the color out of the, the gum tissue, how long it takes for the color to come back. Right, so, like you like push on the, the inside of their gum. Exactly, and then wait for the color to come back and you kind of you, you, you count how long that takes. And you generally want it to be less than two seconds. So, okay. so this horse, even though it, it had kind of a rough ship in, is doing fine. Let's say this is the day before the ride. The vets say, oh, you know, um, it's let's just make sure that he, he, he well overnight and drinks lots in anticipation of the ride tomorrow right mm-hmm. so the morning of the ride horse is doing fine its night was better than its trailer ride and everybody's happy so the horse goes out for its first loop let's say it's 12 kilometers okay no it's too far let's <laughs> say it's eight kilometers okay it comes in it comes in after eight kilometers and it seems a little tired okay, okay? especially in relation to the other horses okay mm-hmm we have a listen to its heart rate and its heart rate is uh, a little bit higher than the other horses that have been coming in. Okay. okay. Not not bad, but it's a little bit higher. We listen to his gut sounds and his gut sounds are quieter than the other horses. Okay. Okay. And uh, we look at his skin tent. Okay. Skin tent's another important factor. So we pinch the skin and in a perfect world, that skin would go back quickly. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, it's a little bit delayed. Okay. Okay. And we also look at the mucous membranes. Yeah, they're pink and moist. Capillary refill time might be closer to two seconds. Okay. okay. Not bad. Oh, another thing that's interesting that we uh, assess during the vet checks at uh, endurance rides is the tone of the anus, the tone of the anal sphincter. Oh. So um, we usually just palpate that with our finger, mm-hmm. you know, in a horse that is fit and functioning well, they should react to that quickly that there should be a strong reflex to right. constrict it okay mm-hmm. this particular horse has a kind of a poorer anal tone mm-hmm. okay it, you palpate it with your finger and it just it's a bit flaccid okay, okay? Mm-hmm. sorry this might sound rude but that's <laughs> uh just one of the one of the many indicators that we use okay so we decide okay the horse is looking okay but we do insist that it eats and drinks a lot Okay, mm-hmm. it, during the, its hold, okay, okay. there's always a hold after the vet check before they go out again. Okay. We want to make sure that it eats and drinks lots, bathe it well, and we want to see it again before it goes out. Right. Okay, so mm-hmm. they feed it, they water it, it's drinking well, and then they bring it back. We take a look at it. It looks okay. We say it's okay to go out again. So it goes and does its next loop and it comes back. And this time it gets into the vetting area and it looks tired. Okay, mm-hmm. it's got a uh, positive skin tent. And when you tent the skin, uh, it takes a while for it to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. The mucous membranes are kind of tacky. Capillary refill time is about two seconds. No gut sounds. And the anal tone is poor. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of dull, lethargic. Uh, heart rate is a little bit higher than the other horses. Mm-hmm. 
And when we watch him trot out, he's really dragging his feet. Okay. He's, just, a, he's just, a tired boy. He's tired. Exactly. And then a keen observer mm-hmm. notices that his sides are flickering a little bit. Like oh. he's got this weird flicker just in front of his hip bone. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like a muscle spasm or something like that happening in front of his hip bone. Okay. okay? I, or in the flank area kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't know what to make of that. As we're listening to its heart rate, it lays down. This doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound good. No, doesn't sound good. So I would say this is a horse that's exhibiting uh, signs of severe heat stress, likely coupled with dehydration and uh, likely uh, electrolyte derangements are a factor. Okay, Mm -hmm. we're not getting enough electrolytes or the electrolytes aren't in the right proportions to one another. Mm -hmm. Generally, when that happens, the blood pH starts to uh, become abnormal. That makes them feel terrible. The dehydration, you have poor blood perfusion. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the gut may not be getting as much blood flow as it needs. So you can start to get crampy and Mm -hmm. the electrolytes aren't there in in insignificant numbers. So all those electrical signals that are so important for conveying um, nerve impulses through the gut and through the muscles and everything like that aren't functioning properly. So we're starting to feel a little bit colicky and crampy. Mm -hmm. The muscle spasm that we're seeing Mm -hmm. um, is actually called the thumps or uh, synchronous diaphragmatic flutter, okay? And oh. this, this happens in certain electrolyte derangements where basically the vagus nerve, which controls the diaphragm muscle, okay. starts to pulse in synchrony with the heartbeat. So uh, okay. you know that a horse has thumps. Have you seen this before? No. Oh, okay. But in horses with thumps, what's actually happening is the diaphragm muscle, which controls breathing basically, Mm -hmm. is actually fluttering at the same rate that or spasming at the same rate that the heart's beating. God, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's a bizarre, bizarre situation. So this horse needs a lot of help. Sounds like it. It's not in dire straits necessarily, but it needs a lot of help. The first thing we would do is uh, we put the horse on IV fluids. And I can tell you just by how this horse is presenting, this horse is probably going to get 30 to 40 liters of IV fluids. Oh, my gosh. That's how far off this horse is from normal at this point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like we're probably greater than 5% dehydration. We're also going to have those IV fluids spiked with electrolytes. So we'll have Mm -hmm. some potassium in there, uh, calcium uh, sodium chloride, all these things to help correct the electrolyte imbalance. We'll probably also tube some fluids in. Okay. Okay. Because it's a good quick way to get them in. Maybe if the uh, digesta has started to get a little bit uh, dried out because of the dehydration, we're going to be able to keep that moist so that we don't end up with an impaction or anything like that. What's the digesta? Oh, uh, just food. Oh, okay. Food traveling in the in the intestines. Okay, okay yep, makes colon. sense. Just making sure that that doesn't uh, we we don't get an impaction or anything. So we'll probably get some fluids in through nasogastric tube as mm-hmm. well. Okay, and uh, I've seen probably ten or twelve horses just like this, and in my experience, they do great. But what I really wanted to illustrate is that this is what heat stress, dehydration, exhaustion looks like at its most extreme level okay mm-hmm. we don't want to see horses like that okay no. because it, it is a very dangerous situation okay and so we do want to make sure we take the proper precautions to keep our horses cool and well hydrated and um, you know I, I think another important point is if you're thinking it's too hot to ride your horse Maybe it is, you know? Yeah, like if it's unpleasant for you, it's probably unpleasant for them too. So be considerate of, of that factor 
too. Okay. Cause we do get some high heat and humidity days around here. There's no doubt about that. And, oh, definitely. Um, yeah. There's, there's days I don't want to go out riding. <laughs> no, no, exactly. There's nothing wrong with taking a, taking some time off. One point I'll leave you with is the fact that I have seen more riders go to the hospital at endurance rides than I have horses. Oh, because they themselves? Yeah. Uh, People don't look after themselves. mm -hmm. Okay. Make sure that you are addressing your own requirements in terms of eating, hydration, electrolytes, keeping cool, whether that's, you know, drape a wet towel over Mm -hmm. your head, you know, stay in the shade, that type of thing. And just you have to look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after your horse. And those are definitely situations where we see, like I have seen horses and riders where the rider goes to the hospital and the horse stays at the ride and receives IV fluids because neither party was either fit or was able to to manage the the situation well enough. Wow. Yeah, you, you can't look after your horse if you if you don't look after yourself. So just don't forget that point too. I think that's just about it. What do you think, Karen? I think so. Yeah. Have we learned lots today? I definitely have. Good. Good. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed the new crisp sound. Absolutely. I think it's a lot better. I really do. I, I'm I'm really excited to hear what the what the final product sounds like. So anyway, thanks again for joining us. Um, we hope you enjoyed uh, your your time with us. Please don't forget to uh, send us your feedback. We did get some feedback about what was it? PSSM. You got it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make a point of talking about that in uh, a future episode, if if not the next one. We we are listening. So. Uh, any, any feedback you have, please uh, send it our way. Absolutely. And we, we hope you and your horse stays cool. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people. Not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship.